This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. This is The Talking Dead, episode 158 for Wednesday, April 2nd, 2014. You know what I like what you did there? What do you like what that I did there? <laughs> you didn't say and. You just said you started with this is. That's good. I didn't say and. I have it written down. Well, I didn't hear an and. All I heard was this is the talking dead, which is good. That's a good way to start it. I like that. Oh, and I'm doing actually delete that word and. and... <laughs> All no, right. No more and. No more and. And and fucking and. <laughs> uh, anyways, so here we are. We're back to, on Wednesday to do our feedback show. Back in the regular um, scenario, recording scenario. Configuration. Configuration, that's exactly what it is. And we have lots of good uh, feedback to do. Plus, everyone took the assignment seriously and sent in their Terminus names. Good. Which is exciting. We're going to read those at the end of the show. Yeah. And maybe it'll be a thing, you know, if we uh, move forward as more people think up some names, maybe they'll send them in. Until I, how about, I think you're a little too excited about it. I don't think that it's going to end up being a thing. Okay, honestly. maybe not. I think it's, it's kind of fun, though. So if you want to, let's do it until the gang leaves Terminus in season five, six, or seven, or whenever that might be. Sure. All right. But there's one more thing we have to do, Jason. What's that, Christopher? We have to tell everyone the winner of our Record Your Favorite Scene contest, as oh, promised. Oh, yeah. A lucky winner. So we went through all of the entries. We listened, we re-listened to them all again uh, yep. just recently, and we chose our favorites, and then you and I went through a list of, uh, you know, who we liked, and we compared notes, and we went through a very scientific 27-point process where we scaled or we gave everybody a mark on 27 different uh different uh, dimensions, and we uh, finally, after uh, much deliberation and much humming and hawing and discussions, and we actually even got into a slap fight for a little while, uh, <laughs> and we finally came up with uh, we came up with a winner. We sure did. Um, yeah. I, it's, it's unfortunate that we had to come, it had to come to a slap fight. Yeah. But C- come it, to blows. Uh, ultimately, it was worth it because I think we came up with a really good entry. It's certainly one that I'm happy with i really like it and the person in question really gave it their all and that's the main thing that i i like about this one yeah i i agree with everything you said and you you beat me into submission so (laughs) i agree with you that's right because if anyone's (laughs) getting beaten into submission it's you that's right um should we just play it or do you want to say the guy's name first uh play it then say the guy's name all right It's, it's a man congratulations to the winner here he is I am. Do you see who I am? People wear dead people's faces. Morgan, listen. No, I don't know you. You do know me. I don't know you. You saved my life, Morgan. You know me. Look at me. You don't clear, man. You turned. You just Die! You know me! I don't know anyone anymore! You don't clear! You know me! You crazy son of a bitch! Please! Please kill me! That was Matt in Wilmington, Delaware. Congratulations, Matt. You have won our Record Your Favorite Scene contest. It's the whimpering at the end that gets me. It's the whimpering. It's the slapping. It's the, the, the yelling. I mean, he just, he just put everything he had into that. That's, at least that's the feeling I get. If that was just kind of a regular reading for him, then imagine what he's capable of. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> right? I think that was most impressive. Uh, Matt? I will. I should have your email address, so I'll send you a note. But uh, congrats once again. You have won the 10-inch Daryl Dixon 
McFarlane Toys action figure. Deluxe action figure. It's a deluxe. It's totally a deluxe. It's great. So from here on, I am going to string all of the entries together and release them as uh, kind of a standalone special podcast. Not going to be any commentary from us, but it'll have all of the entries. So if you want to hear them, just uh, you know, keep your RSS reader on the feed. It'll be everywhere else you can get podcast episodes. So you'll be able to hear all those. And if you want to keep sending them in, I really wouldn't have a problem with that. No, me neither. I think that'd be fantastic. And as we go forward here, doing more podcasts over the summer and into season five and six and so on, I wouldn't. I would love to have a listener scene every episode that we can just play as the listener sort of episode recording of the week, because it was it was amazing. It was really the best idea I've ever had. <laughs> really, if we if we took you know if we took all your ideas. You know, and and put them all in a book, and then you took that book and you burned that book. Uh, this idea would uh, spell itself out in the smoke. I think so. I really yeah. think it was that good. Uh, I do too. Okay, thanks. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> all right, congrats once again, Matt. We'll be in touch. All right, let's move on into our first segment, Jason. Sure. Holy crap! Did you see that? So we just have a couple of additional holy craps before we get into the actual feedback, and we're going to read them right now. Cool. And if I were to ask you, Jason, who begins, what would your answer be? I would say you begins. All right. So this comes from Lee in Lawrence Effing, Kansas. My holy crap is all of the Holocaust references in the finale. The train tracks, the train cars, the fenced-in compound, the letter A refer referencing Auschwitz used in a similar way to the yellow star that was placed on Jewish organizations, businesses, and later concentration camp barracks. Even the candle-filled room looks very similar to the, mo the memorial at the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. Hmm. I've never been to the Holocaust, Washing the Holocaust Memorial in Washington, D.C., the museum. God. Right. I haven't been there, so I, I, you know, I wouldn't have made that connection. Um, but some of the other stuff I could see as references. I wonder if there was any intention there amongst the writers or if it was just sort of a coincidence. Well, the, the train tracks and, uh, you know, herding them into a car, a box car, uh, did, uh, to me, remind me of, uh, of that kind of thing. Uh, but the, all the other references, I didn't quite put everything together, including the A or the, uh, you know, the, the, the fenced in con compound, all that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm glad Leah that you brought this up. Yeah. Very good. So next we have uh, Tom in Buffalo. My holy crap moment was at the end of the episode when they are being forced into the rail car. Rick looks at the steps to the car and notices what looks like baby formula powder spilled on the ground. Are these guys chowing down on some Judith Tartar with Tyrese ribs and Carol Caesar salad? <laughs> Sounds like a delicious meal right there. It sure does. Yeah, you know, we didn't know, we didn't mention that in our recap, but your Rick notices uh, powdered milk on the ground, a container of powdered milk, like a destroyed one. Right. And a lot of people took that to mean maybe Judith, Tyrese, and Carol were already here. Right. Although they were not in the train car, so if that's the case, they are being held somewhere else, or they have already, you know, been turned into a meal, like Tom says. Maybe, maybe they were, uh, you know, they talked their way into being cannibals. Maybe they're on the side of the cannibals. They've joined the group, eh? Yeah, and Judith is now a fine young cannibal. <laughs> that was too easy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean I didn't I didn't know I was going there right until the end. So okay, well, I didn't make that whole thing up just for that joke. Good for you, man. That's your brain just it just popped right out. <laughs> yeah, I like it. My brain's stuck in the '80s as far as music goes. Yeah, that's very true. Fine Young Cannibal. All right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I it, it was They definitely focused the camera on it. It was there for a reason. And I think that reason may have been just for um, just for the viewing audience to, to be reminded of Judith. Because we hadn't seen them in a couple episodes, right? Yeah. The Carol and Tyrese episode wasn't the one right before the finale, was it? No, it was two or three episodes ago. Right. So maybe just a quick reminder that, you know, they're coming and uh, they don't know what they're walking into unless they're already there and they've joined the cannibals. But 
really yeah. don't think that's happening. Yeah, I don't think so either. Okay, thanks for those two quick holy craps, and now it's on to this. Listener feedback. All righty. Um, do I start again, Jason? Uh, yeah, you're next. All right, thank you. Craig in Ottawa says, you mentioned how they gave generic names to the forerunners in order to dehumanize them so that it's easier to deal with killing them for food. If that's the case, then does that not conflict with the whole candle shrine? While we're on that subject, didn't it seem odd that they would lead them through that particular room? Was that meant to be some sort of reassurance that uh, they would be remembered when this is all over? Right. So uh, Denise, the next one, Denise on the internet also goes into this. Uh, while Jason's theory on the purpose of the candle room is a valid one, I had a different read on that scene. I believe the room is some sort of shrine to members of the group they lost when they took, uh, took in people from the outside. These people were somehow responsible for a number of their people dying. The room serves as a reminder to those left to never trust anyone again, while also fortifying their conviction in what they are doing, drawing people to their compound and turning them into human stakes. The writing on the wall seems to support this theory. Never again, never trust, we first, always. The tragedy uh, that happened to their group serves as justification to dehumanize outsiders as the... Uh, as in the case in real-world conflicts uh, that lead to suppression and war amongst nations. So that makes a lot of sense right there. It does, and I am now questioning, you know, the whole meaning of this room. Yeah. I, I, I kinda, I'm kind of i kind of being swayed over. No, I think so. I mean, that room, I instead of being, instead of honoring the people they've eaten, it's honoring the people they lost at some point, or maybe throughout their stay here at Terminus. Right. And... The, the writing on the wall really does, as D Denise says, see, it really seems to reinforce that. You know, at one point they trusted people, they put other people first ahead of them to help them, but that backfired and they're never going to do that again. Yeah. So I, I can see that. And in that case, going back to Craig's comments, it doesn't conflict with dehumanizing the people uh, that they, they take in. It, in fact, supports it. Yes. So, so I think it, I think it works for me. I think it's a really really good theory, Denise. Uh, I think that I'm right there with you and with Craig and Denise. Uh, I am, I believe I stand corrected. Yeah, and if that's not the case, if they are trying to honor those who they eat, then uh, you know maybe the, the maybe not giving them a, a sort of assigning them names is just a fun thing they like to do, and they don't care about dehumanizing them at all. Yeah. It's just, it's just a fun thing they like to do before killing someone. Right. Here, have a funny name. Yeah. All right, next we have Brian from the internet. And Brian says, The epic stupidity of Rick's group just blows my mind sometimes, and their actions in this episode have provoked me to finally break my silence. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. A was a really great episode with some really tense and dramatic moments. How awesome was the lethal hickey that Rick gave to the leader of the wild dogs? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Logic, however, was ultimately kicked in the balls at the end of this episode, just as it was in the previous one, at the moment when our full group of heroes just casually stroll into Terminus. These characters should be smart enough by now to know the adage, trust but verify. I would have thought that one of the teams would have been smart enough by now to think it would be a good idea to have half of its members hang back in the woods while the other half goes in to eyeball things out and make sure they're not walking into some kind of kooky cannibalistic trap. Cannibalistic trap. I guess not. Personally, if I were Rick, I would have had Daryl and Michonne wait as backup while Carl and I go in first to make sure everything was kosher. Then if we did not come back within a reasonable amount of time, I'd have them come in with their sword and crossbow blazing. Nice. Neither of which are weapons that really blaze. However, I get the analogy. Well, the way that Michonne and Daryl wield these weapons, I uh, I do believe they metaphorically blaze. Oh, absolutely. They definitely blaze. So, you know, Rick and the team were almost there. They they decided to approach from the side, through the forest. They decided to stand around and wait and watch for a little bit. Now, that time wasn't really portrayed on the show, but at least they did something. They didn't just walk up to the gate like the first group did and just let themselves in. They didn't watch worth shit. They said, okay, uh, stay close, but spread out and uh, keep your eyes open and get some rest and your head down. And uh, when they split up, what did they do? Uh, 
Michonne and Carl had a conversation and Rick and Daryl buried some guns and then they went in. Nobody watched, nobody looked, they didn't circle the whole thing to see what there was to see. Uh, you know, uh, and their tactics were just crap, I think. Well, I, I get that, right? We didn't see that happen, All, but we saw the interesting stuff. I mean, we saw, we saw Michonne and Carl have that important conversation about her kid and we saw him burying the guns as a backup plan which hasn't really paid off yet, but maybe it still will. Right. Um, but, you know, I think it's we have to assume that at least some time passed while they were observing. We didn't see anybody actually really look through the fence even once, right? Except well, for, I assume the fence was completely opaque to them. What do you mean? Well, just they couldn't see through it. You know, just some kind of, you know, blockage in their brains just says, okay, that's a fence, so I can't see through that. Right, okay. I, maybe, or maybe we just didn't see them looking through. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe I, you're crazy, Jason. I, I Personally, I think it, per, for me, it would have worked better if they had portrayed to us that maybe somehow portrayed the time of day that they arrived at that fence. You know, maybe it was dawn. Maybe they get there and there's a purposeful shot of the sun coming up or something like that. And then when they go in, you know, they can make it known that now it's noon or mid-afternoon or something like that. You know, that's not that hard to do, and it wouldn't have had to show them actually standing around looking and watching for things, but it would have portrayed some time having passed, a lot longer time than it takes to just have a quick conversation. They tried that, and it didn't work, and we gave them shit for it. When the, when the governor when they, uh, the governor found a, a group of people when he was with uh, the people from the encampment, he found a group of people that were in this uh, little encampment, and then they showed a picture of the skyline, and then shortly afterwards, all these people in the encampment were dead. Do you remember that? In uh, season three? No, season four, at the beginning, uh, the first half of the season, when the governor had met up with all those people living in the RVs, and they went out scouting around, and they saw they found that they stumbled across this other group of people that were living in tents and stuff. Yeah, and oh. they said, "Oh," and they were sneaking around them. And then they showed a picture of the skyline. Yeah, yeah. And they cut back, and then they showed up, and they were all dead. And it's like, well, what the hell? So they tried this, and it seriously, we gave them shit for it. You're so right. So maybe they're just kind of going, "Okay, we can't do that now because J- Jason and Chris don't like that. So we, we should just really, you know, not do that." Yeah, we, they they're gonna give us crap if we do that again. We better not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I remember the scene you're talking about now, and that didn't work. You're absolutely right. It didn't work in that case, but that doesn't mean it could never work. And, you know, the director of this episode, I think, was Michelle McLaren, a very accomplished director who's done yeah. Breaking Bad, who's done Game of Thrones, as far as I know. She knows what she's doing, and I think if anyone could have found a way to portray some time having passed without showing us all the boring stuff they do during that time, I think she could have done it. So... Yeah. You know, I'm I'm just saying it it didn't work in that example you gave, but it didn't work entirely for me here either. When so they, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Well, so far, yeah, but I'm sure somebody <laughs> out there can figure out a way to portray time passing. <laughs> yeah, sort of like what they did in uh, Shaun of the Dead with the drinking of the beer and the smoking of the smokes, you know how they uh, they cut from one scene to the other. It's just short little snippets of doing stuff yeah yeah like a quick zoom a beer it comes down on the table yeah 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 stuff happens exactly that'd be fine something like that that'd be great oh and if that that was that whole like save phil get mom pick up friend you know that sort of stuff yeah what a great movie all right so next we have colleen in florida you mentioned that it seemed abrupt and too easy that rick's gang finished off the wild dogs my thinking was that it showed that even the wild dogs were no match for them that way, I knew exactly what Rick meant when he said, they're going to feel pretty stupid when they find out. As soon as I saw the gang reunited, I was thinking Terminus people don't stand a chance. You know, it's funny. I feel the same way. Like, Rick and the gang look like they're in a pretty bad situation. Even though I went into last time about all the mistakes that I think the Terminus people have made, they're still stuck in a train boxcar in the dark by themselves. Yeah. But I also think that Terminus has no chance for some reason. I just feel like all these characters come together are greater than the sum of their parts, and they're going to turn into one giant, you know, uh, giant robot of destruction and just take out Terminus, you know, with ease. Yeah, like I said, their Wonder Twin powers are going to activate, and then all hell is going to break loose. Absolutely. I mean, hell, the governor showed up with a tank and still didn't have a chance. You're absolutely right. Oh, they should go back and get that tank. Probably still sitting there, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
None of them know how to drive it though. It's it's easy. You just you it's just got a handlebar that you push. You push one side, the the right t- uh, tread moves. You push the other side, the left tread moves. And Daryl Dixon can drive a tank. You just know. Yeah, you just push on stuff until it moves. <laughs> I don't think it's uh, well. You know what the hell do I know? But I, it can't be that hard. No, you're right. Somebody can fire in the tank. On the other hand, probably is a complex action that takes a lot of coordinated motions and uh, high technology. But driving a tank, I, I don't. I don't think is. Anybody out there, if you know how to drive a tank, let us know. Yeah, and and I'm sure it's not as easy as he's making it sound. <laughs> it's got to be. <laughs> it's got to be like riding a bike. All Even right. Easier. Bike takes four limbs. I think a tank only takes two. You push one stick, the left head tread goes. You push the other stick, the right tread goes. If you push one stick and not the other stick, it turns. I bet you there's pedals too for doing something. I don't know. Anyways, our next email comes from Jack in Western Springs. In A, why didn't Daryl just say claimed, claimed, claimed when he saw Rick, Michonne, and Carl? Joe would have to obey. That's true. You know, claiming is the most important thing to Joe. And Daryl was just like, claimed, claimed, claimed. Those are my people. I'm claiming them. Let's move on. That, that's true. Daryl should have at least tried that. At least tried. It may not have it, worked out so well. Oh, it definitely wouldn't have worked. I don't think Joe is one of those... Uh, uh, I'm going to follow my own rules even though I don't like it and it's uh, it doesn't you know meet with my needs. Jo- Joe's kind of the do as I say, not as I do kind of guy. I think you're probably right, although up to that point, he'd been very clear about following the rules. Yes, he has. All right, so we, next we have uh, Allison in Ohio. I have been really annoyed at how Maggie has not seemed to mention or even think about her sister. Right before they were separated, Maggie had repeated their now dead father's line of, we have, we, we all have jobs to do. I realized she was looking for Glenn, but after they found each other, I thought there would be some sort of mention about looking for Beth. Even a comment about hopefully finding her a terminus, but I haven't heard her say anything about her sisters since they've been separated. Did I miss something? Anyone else feel this is weird? I completely feel it's weird. Uh, just as much as I feel it's weird that Daryl hasn't spent more time looking for Beth, although that I've moved on from and I've sort of had, you know, enough explanations that I can live with it. But all, She's gone, man. Yeah, she's gone. All it would have taken is Beth, when they were sitting in the tunnel there after her and, not Beth, Maggie, when Maggie and Glenn were sitting in the tunnel, the train tunnel, together after they were reunited, for her to say, did you see what happened to Beth? Like, did you see Beth anywhere? Where were you? Do you know where she is? And he would have said no. And that would have been it. And I feel like it's one of those things where whoever wrote each episode was probably like, ah, the next writers will do that in the next episode. <laughs> right. I don't have to do it now. Someone, will, Someone's bound to do that. And then nobody ever did. So it's, it is a bit frustrating, but I'm pretty sure we'll, we'll get the resolution to Beth's kidnapping story in season five. Oh, eventually. Hopefully they don't just pull a, oh, she's dead. You know, somebody shows up and it's like, oh, did you see Beth? Oh, yeah, she's dead. She's dead, like they did with, uh, <laughs> what's his name from Woodbury, Bowman. That's right. Oh, yeah, he's dead. He died, killed <laughs> off camera. Bummer. <laughs> Too bad for him. That would really suck for Beth because, uh, yeah, I, I think she at least deserves to die on screen or show up as a zombie uh, to give some kind of closure. It would suck if they just kind of gave up on her and, and she died off camera. She's not going to. The whole kidnapping was a setup for something that's going to come down the road. You know, I don't know how long everyone's going to be stuck at Terminus or what, how that's going to play out. But if that's only an episode or two at the beginning of the season, you got to think that we're not staying at Terminus. Everyone's going to escape somehow and flee. And at that point, they'll be like, I wonder what happened to Beth. And Or, or you know, they'll run into some more people that have something to do with her kidnapping. Or maybe uh, Beth is at Terminus, and she's actually the uh, the musical entertainment for their dinner parties. <laughs> maybe. You're right. They've got a piano, and uh, she sits there and plays light jazz while everybody eats. A xylophone made out of ribs. <laughs> Ooh, now you're talking, man. <laughs> Just like in the, I think they did that in the Little Rascals way back in the 30s. In the 30s, eh? Xylophone yeah. of ribs. All right. Uh, is it my turn? Yeah, uh, you're going to read the one from Jason. Jason Kinnison in Richmond, Missouri. Jason, I hope that helps your cause. You know what I mean. I was so happy to see a return to form for Rick. I haven't been Emo Rick or Farmer Rick's biggest fan, 
But this last half of season four, especially the last episode, has been great seeing the badass neck-biting Rick back. I can't wait to see how to handle the how he handles the Terminus situation. I also look forward to seeing how AMC handles the San Diego Comic-Con Season 5 trailer without giving away too much considering how we left them. Oh, yeah. Badass neck-biting Rickback. Rickback. I like that. <laughs> neck-biting Rickback. That's right. That's good. So San Diego Comic-Con always puts out a trailer for Season 5. At least they have for the last three years. You think it'll just be, you know, abstract little uh, shots of uh, action and screaming, or maybe it'll be, um, it'll be a slow, uh, you know, a slow motion camera zoom into a set of doors, and in the background you have a bunch of screaming and yelling and gunshots going off, and you know, basically mayhem in the audio, but completely serene in the video. It could be. I, you know, I hadn't thought of that, but. Jason, that would just piss me off. <laughs> yeah, Jason Kinnison in Richmond, Missouri, is absolutely right. I mean, what can they show? They've they've put out three to four minute trailers for each season at Comic Con, and now, from what I recall, most of the footage in those trailers is from the first three or four episodes of the year, and that's it. You know, they don't get into anything farther down down the road in the season. But here, everybody's stuck in a train boxcar. We don't know if they're. We don't know who's even getting out of that train boxcar. So I'll be surprised if they can show us as much as they have in the past. Or if they do, you're right. It's going to be some sort of, some sort of goofy, you know, fancy pants way of showing us something without showing us anything. You know, they can do three or four minutes of just you know uh, close, uh, you know, claustrophobic conversations in the boxcar planning. Uh, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, fade in, fade to black, fade out of black, that kind of thing where people are just having little snippets of conversation and hearing stuff uh, going on outside. Uh, I bet you they could do three minutes, uh, you know, do a three-minute trailer from within that boxcar. Ooh, that would be something. And if they could pull that off in a really convincing way, I think I would actually really like that. They might, uh, you can't even make it tense. Like, I couldn't, but I'm sure, you know, those professionals doing this kind of thing could make it uh, a very tense kind of trailer just from within that, uh, that. They did a whole movie where a guy was stuck in a, uh, you know, a coffin. What was Bur that movie? Buried. Buried. I watched <laughs> You know, if they, they could do, uh, they, if they could do a, you know, a 90 minute movie of a guy stuck in a coffin. They can do a three minute trailer of, uh, what is it? Nine people stuck in a, stuck in a box car. I think it's almost 12, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, it's a I, lot of people. I didn't count. I guessed. Um, you're right. Now, what if they took the other approach and we didn't see any of our regular characters and we only saw Terminus people outside the boxcar talking about what to do, wondering, you know, maybe hinting at some sort of problems they're having and, you know, maybe referring to the people in the boxcar, but not, you know, but not seeing, but we don't see any of them. That would be interesting too. Yeah. But I don't think that's very likely because we don't know any of these characters and, People want to see their favorites. There's lots of options. Some good, some bad. True. It could be uh, it could be a three minute trailer of something completely unrelated to uh, this group of people at all. Like it'd just be three minutes of zombies walking through the woods. Robert Kirkman sitting there talking into the camera, going, <laughs> "Didn't yeah. you guys like season four's cliffhanger? Season yeah. five's going to be fantastic, everybody." And, I'm Robert and then Kirkman. Just lie. Just lie for three minutes about what's going to happen. <laughs> that would not be uncommon for that man. Yeah, it'll be fine. All right, next we have uh, Cameron in Greelong, Australia. I love how Carl asked Rick, how do you tell people everything you've been through? Uh, how do you tell them that you had to watch your mother give birth and, birth and then die to a baby, which you think is dead, because a man in an eye patch <laughs> chopped off an old man's head <laughs> because he wanted to live in a prison? <laughs> Carl's always asking the hard questions the audience is asking but the adults are too scared to ask. That is a hard question. I watched my mother die. I watched my mother give birth and then die to a baby, which I think is dead, to a man in an eye patch who chopped an old man's head off because he wanted to live in a prison. Oh, yeah. That, that's a hard question. What does that make me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, that's good. Thank you, Cameron. Susie in London writes, can I just say that it is absolutely crazy that Rick was not allowed to say that the Terminus crew were fucking with the wrong people. What the hell is up with the censorship? He has literally just ripped someone's throat out with his teeth. 
with his teeth. How can an F-bomb be more incendiary than that? Yeah, it's the uh, it's the censor people. I mean, you can rip somebody's head, uh, you know, throat out. You can cut their head off. You could kneecap them. You could chop their foot off and then take a great big bite. But show a nipple, forget it. Yeah. Just forget it. It's it's the problem with our society that violence is okay. Murdering hundreds of people is just fine, you know, in movies. But you know, non-sexual nudity or language that they deem too extreme or inappropriate no way can't do that can't say the f word can't show a boob but let's cut 45 guys heads off yeah just for fun drives me stab crazy. them in the eye and rip them in half and all kinds of good stuff yeah it's it's crazy Susie. we are right there with you um it's really too bad i heard a rumor that uh, and i forget where i heard this but i heard that that for the um for the DVD release or the Blu-ray release of season four, they are going to have alternate audio on that scene where he does actually say the F word. Nice. I don't know if that's true though, but if it is, at least, you know, you'll have your chance to watch it with Rick dropping an F-bomb. That'd be good. It would be. All right, next we have Scott in New Jersey. I just need to rant about the finale. Nobody died. That's unbelievable. I saw we were a quarter of the way through, and I was like, this is a finale? Nothing has happened yet. I may have been one of the slowest, it may have been one of the slowest episodes all season. Instead of getting me excited for the next season, it just uh, has me upset about the season as a whole. Of course, I'm going to continue watching it, but the finale was nothing to be proud of. Well, Scott, how do you really feel? Yeah. Did you like it? (laughs) You know, I... I am equally surprised that no major character died. And when you think about it, Herschel was the only major character that died all season four. But I'm okay with it, to be honest with you. Except for the governor. Okay, you're right, the governor. Again, though, bad guy. And you expect bad guys to die. Well, in this show, you expect good guys to die. That's true, too. So, okay, governor, fine. So Herschel Herschel and the governor die. Right. Um, But... Nobody else. And you do expect that to come in these big finale episodes sometimes. Um, But I think that's just not the Walking Dead style. If they're going to kill someone, they're going to do it when you least expect it. Or right after they have a hero episode like Herschel. (laughs) Right. And you completely expect it. Um, But uh, I don't know. I think this episode was, was just fine. The lack of death didn't bother me. I'd much rather have interesting story and quality TV than killing people all the time. Right. Right? And uh, that killing people can be interesting and can make for quality TV, but not necessarily. And I certainly wouldn't want the show to suffer just because they feel like they have to kill somebody off because that's what they have to do. Right. Right? I agree. Okay, Jazz in New Orleans. New Orleans, I guess. I just wanted to say that the season finally... Season finale was the best episode of the season with possibly the worst ending of the entire show. I love the fact that the back and forth scenes between Farmer Rick and friends at the prison and the present day versions of the group showed that our gang is now made of survivors and that they will do whatever needs to be done to live. Rick and everyone making quick work of the wild dogs was amazing. That ending in the train car was pretty weak but it is nice to see Rick shed the indecisive version of himself and finally settle into his post-apocalyptic superhero self. Right. So maybe uh, maybe Carl needs a post-apocalyptic superhero hat because he has a farmer hat and he has a uh, sheriff's hat, so now he needs a superhero hat. Yeah, he probably does, but, you know, he's going to have to make do with the hats he have, hats he has because it's hard to come by new hats sometimes in the in the apocalypse. Come on, they got to stumble across a cowl somewhere. Oh, yeah, probably. And then he has a superhero hat. Um, thank you, Jazz. Uh, I don't know about the, the ending. It was fine for me. I, I, I didn't see it coming. I didn't really expect it to just end at that line. But again, it didn't bother me, and I thought it was effective for that reason. Well, there you go. Next, we have Dave in Coventry, UK. Hi, guys. I have a different opinion to you guys on the reason the group Uh, The reason for the group being searched on arrival at Terminus. I think it was a trust test. He told them to put all their weapons in front of them. uh, And 
sorry, and put all of their weapons in front of them. Then I think the search was to see if any of them had concealed weapons and therefore not declaring all of their weapons would deem them untrustworthy. I don't believe uh, this was in any way to disarm or confuse them. I'd have to say that maybe it was both. You know, trust test is good. If you say put down all your weapons and someone, you know, keeps a bazooka hidden up their shirt, then you know that these people aren't to be trusted. And they have really big shirts. Really big shirts. Yeah, that's uh, a big shirt you have. Yes, what could you be hiding <laughs> under there? <clears throat> um, but at the same time, I, I, you know, in this world, in the world that The Walking Dead has created, nobody is to be trusted. And any time you meet new people, it's always... Uh, it's always a conflict. Nobody ever is like, hey, you're you're friendly, you're good, we're friendly, everything's happy. It just doesn't happen. And I think that's why Terminus feels so weird because the people there kind of are trusting. So we know that they're not necessarily nice people already. So asking them to put down their weapons, then give them back to them, you know, people who show up would be like, what the hell are these people doing? I don't know what to think about them, which right. is probably just the way they want it. Maybe. So uh, this is Martin in North Yorkshire, UK. Uh, I actually live seven miles from Pickering, not far from Whitby and Scarborough. So that's really a coincidence. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so to comment on the stabbing of the fat guy, I only saw it once while the show aired, but Rick didn't just stab him, he gutted him. He pushed the knife in low down and pulled it up. The shot cuts away. Uh, you then hear Rick repeatedly stabbing him. Yeah, he gutted him. Yeah, it was uh, he. It was just plain. You tried to rape my son. Uh, you're not gonna enjoy this. That's right. I now have the full permission to disembowel you. Yes. Oh God, that's gross. <laughs> Brent from North Carolina. My prediction for season five is that Sasha is going to die in the first episode. Walkers will force Tyrese and Carol off the tracks, and they will end up in a car and hear the terminus broadcast. But during the broadcast, they will hear a fight, and Sasha will say, don't come here, it's a trap. And then the sound of a gunshot, then the transmission will end. It will force them to come to Terminus, but locked and ready to save everyone. Love the show. Well, that's the trailer right there. That's the thing. As far as we know, Tyrese and Carol and them are not there yet. So we can definitely show them in the trailer, right? Yep. And show them arriving at Terminus or, you know, in whatever mindset they will be in at that point, either a sort of aggressive one or a passive one. I don't know. So maybe that's the trailer. You're right. Just those three walking around for a while and then uh, something happens. It's all up to Judith. She is going to have to save everybody. Oh, yeah, you may be right. She's going to be the super baby for sure. Uh, <laughs> next, we have Katie in the UK. I love that the creators, even after four years, are still finding ways to surprise and take us, uh, surprise us and take these characters down a completely different road than what we thought before. I also applaud the crew for not backing out of any choices they made for this season. Uh, there were quite a few points in the season where some, where, where some people might think, this is taking it a bit too far. For example, Herschel being decapitated, Carol shooting Lizzie, and even more recent, Rick ripping out Joe's throat with his teeth. The crew stuck to their choices, and I'm proud of that, and they should they should be too. The cast has done another exceptional job for making sure that these characters keep up on changing and that they remain in our hearts and minds forever. So there's one more email after this, but I really kind of wanted to give Katie the last word um, because she really kind of boiled it down here, and I like what she has to say. You know, we have seen some stuff in this show that some people might think, oh, come on, or, I, you know, I can't believe they did that on TV sort of thing. But at the same time, they've managed to make all that stuff work pretty well, if you ask me. I, I agree. I think that they, uh, they haven't been pulling a lot of punches, except for the, uh, you know, the lack of the swear word and the last, ep last you know, scene in the last episode. They, they did pull a punch there. Okay, they did, but probably not at the choice of the, the writers or, or show producers, right? Well, if, you, if that rumor you heard is true, that means they shot that. Right, they shot that scene with that swear word in it, and they probably threw it at the at the uh, the censors, and it got caught. It was just like, no, you can't do that. You already disemboweled somebody, and you know, chewed somebody's neck out in this episode. You can't also swear, so you got to choose. And mm -hmm. they went, 
uh, lose the word. Yeah, I guess if you're going to lose one thing, you can always change the word. Um, but I don't know. Like, you know what? This One other thing I liked is how they, they didn't have to always in this episode show us the zombie kills. Do you remember right. near the beginning when Michonne and Rick and Carl come across that zombie? She goes ahead, they raise their guns, and then we basically cut away and we don't see the zombie kill. Um, I wonder if that... I mean, I don't think that would have anything to do with the the censors or the the ratings people saying you can't do that because they've shown us these things a million times. In fact, a few minutes after that, they show a guy getting his eyeball bit off. Right. Right. Um, but uh, I just bring it up because I think it's, I think it's an interesting point we're at now where they don't really have to show us that anymore. We sort of know exactly what happens. We know that about these characters. We know that they're good zombie killing machines. Um, as that relates to Katie's comments, I don't know. <laughs> what, I think what I'm get, trying to get at is that, you know, they're confident in what they're doing on the show now, right? Yeah. And th- like she said, they're they're sticking to their guns with a lot of things. Even when they think it might be too much, they're doing it in a, in a compelling way. And they don't feel the need to always show us the gory kills anymore. Right. And I think that's a really good thing. I agree with you and Katie. All righty. Thank you, Katie, in the UK. This last email comes from Chris in Hawaii, and uh, I think this one's funny, so I wanted to include it. Aloha, Chris and Jason. I heard you guys the other day reading some emails regarding your Canadian accent. I have never seen you guys, and I have no idea what you guys look like. Uh, I don't mean any offense, but I thought you might be interested in what your voices sound like to me. Oh, Okay. <laughs> When I hear Jason's voice, I imagine him looking like Andy Richter, the co-host of the Conan O'Brien show. Hmm. <laughs> and when I listen to Chris's voice, I'm thinking you look like a Tobey Maguire type character. I would like to hear what you think of this opinion and if it's near the truth. Well, the Andy Richter thing probably pr- hits the nail pretty close to the head. H- how do you figure? Real? I don't know. I don't know. I always thought that I looked like Andy Richter. I like to think of myself as uh, Andy Richter in uh, Arrested Development. You know where he has like nine brothers and they're, they're, they're all identical? So I, I like to think of myself as that, whereas I look exactly the same, but uh, I am completely different depending on the context. Right, okay. And I, you know, Tobey Maguire was Spider-Man. So yeah, I'm totally like Tobey Maguire. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted to be Spider-Man. Have you? Well, I'll, I'll tell you something funny. Okay. Almost... You know how sometimes, you, you used to take the subway. Yes. Lots of people around the world take the subway. Everyone who takes the subway um, has had the experience where you just get to the platform or you just get into the station just as the train is pulling out of the station. You're like, oh, I just missed it. Right. Every time that happens to me, do you know what runs through my head? You would like to jump onto the side of the train and just ride it to the next station. What runs through my head is that man... If only I was Spider-Man, I could web onto the back of that train and get where I was going. I know somebody who did that. Well, didn't web onto the back of the train, but just as the train was pulling out, he jumped on the back of the uh, the, the final car, you know, uh, in the old trains where they had that section with the chains? Yes. With the, where the door is, where it would hook up to a, a, another car if there was another car? He jumped on that and rode it to the next station. I he was arrested, I don't. but he did you. that. Yeah, he would be arrested. And he didn't fall off and kill himself? No, he did not fall off and kill himself. And they actually drove the train all the way to the next station? Yeah, and then arrested him. (laughs) Why wouldn't they stop before they pulled out of the station they were leaving? Well, I don't know. Because the guy who sticks his head out the window to make sure the doors close properly and all that, he's looking. He would have seen him jump on, you'd think. No, not uh, at the time. It was, uh, it was this was years ago. Before they had the chimer, they had the the whistle. Like there was the guy with the whistle. Yeah, that's you, blow, you blew the whistle twice. So he looks up the car and then down the car and then up the car and then blows the whistle and then closes his window and then the train goes. So it was while he was looking in the wrong direction, and they didn't have cameras everywhere at this time, same way they do now. So uh, I guess they didn't notice him until he jumped off, and then called the police. Hmm. Well, I think that's a bad idea. Don't anybody try that. However, when I walk into the train station and it's just leaving, I think to myself, I wish I was Spider-Man. Not only that, my wife 
used to think Tobey Maguire was really cute. So it, it kind of works out. So are you saying you do look like Tobey Maguire, Maguire or you wish you and your both wife <laughs> both wish that you did look like Tobey Maguire? I'm going to go with uh, I do. Okay. <laughs> Which you is... wish your wife looked like Tobey Maguire. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's probably entirely not true, but what are you going to do? I have been told I look like the drummer from Coldplay, though, which I don't think is a compliment, frankly. I don't even know what that, that means. I've been told in uh, my younger days that I look almost exactly like Peter Brady. Peter Brady. Peter Brady. When I was in high school, I had a number of uh, people that used to call me Peter Brady all the time. You know, I've never seen an episode of The Brady Bunch. Well... That's why you like me, because you don't know that I look like Peter Brady. <laughs> if if I did, well, forget it. Podcast off. All right. So imagine, you know, go watch a, an episode of The Brady Bunch. I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. Now take Peter Brady and age him to about 40 years old. And that's pretty much what I look like. And that's you. Okay. But, yeah. I'll, I'll try that. Before that, though, Jason, I think we should read some people's Terminus names. I also do think that as well, in addition to you, Christopher. All right. This is going to be fun, everybody. So some people sent in Terminus names for themselves. Some sent them in for all the other characters, and some did for both. Right. So uh, I'm going to start. So we have Davey in Sunnyvale, California, had uh, Carrot Top for Abraham, Short Bus for Eugene, Sandinista for Rosita, uh, Gimpy for Tara, uh, chairman, I'm Korean, whatever. Uh, a Chinaman, I'm Korea, Korean, whatever for Glenn. That was a reference back to, I think, season one? Yeah, season two. Season one, when uh, when um, Daryl makes a comment Darryl. about him being Chinese, and he says, I'm Korean. And Glenn and Daryl goes, whatever. Whatever. Yep. So Maggie is uh, Poncho. Sasha is Chicken Legs, for some reason. And Bob is Smiley, because he's happy. Yes, he is. All right, shenanigans underscore 915 on the PlayStation Network says nice. Abraham, Carrot Top, or Big Red. There you go. Rosita, G.I. Jane. Of course. Eugene, Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> That's awesome. Maggie, Southern Comfort. And if Herschel were still alive and made it to Terminus, IHOP. IHOP? Well, that's funny. <laughs> See, he's got one leg. <laughs> Southern Comfort, eh? Yeah. I once went to a party and drank way too much Southern Comfort, and uh, this girl I liked punched me right in the face. Well, that seems like something Maggie would do. Yeah. Well, she was playing, uh, there was, I was practicing with my band down in the basement, and she started playing my drums, and I told her to get out from uh, from there, and she just uh, turned and you know, cold cocked me. That's Knocked not me flat on my ass. That's not fair. Those were your drums. Well, I, I might have been drunk and rude. Well, that's a distinct possibility. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so next we have Ryan in Belfast. If I had the choice, I'd like to think that I would have a brutal melee weapon in the apocalypse, something along the lines of a large hatchet. Uh, this along with my tendency to dress in all white, semi-frequently uh, now splattered with undead blood, uh, would lead the cannibals to see me uh, as a resemblance of myself to Alex from A Clockwork Orange and therefore probably refer to me as Horror Show or the Druge. I haven't seen A Clockwork Orange in many, many years, so I don't recall what those references are. Yeah, well, you should. It's uh, You should go and watch it. <laughs> okay, thanks. That's that's <laughs> always movie. your answer. I haven't seen this in a while. Well, you should go watch it, you idiot. Go watch it. Just rewatch your entire video library every six months. That's what I recommend. All right. That's going to take a lot of effort. It is. Lori on the internet writes, Abraham, G.I. Joe. Rosita, Chiquita. Well, see, that works. Rosita, Chiquita. <laughs> yeah, it <kinda> works <laughs> good. Eugene, Sonic, uh, hedgehog reference for Eugene's mullet. Sasha is Barbie. Bob is Ken. Of course. <laughs> Glenn, Chinaman. Another reference to Daryl uh, misidentifying Glenn's ethnicity. Maggie, Dirty Mary, because of the poncho, and Tyrese, Mr. Mom. Oh, and there's more. <laughs> Carol, Jamie. Um, apparently, it's been pointed out that Melissa McBride looks like Jamie Lee Curtis. So, she's Jamie. Judith McNugget. Oh. <laughs> Get it? Nice work. And uh, Lori herself, Butterball. <laughs> there you go. Thank so you, have- Lori. Uh, we have uh, Maria from Spartanburg, South Carolina. Glenn, Grumpy. Maggie, Ponchy. Tara, 
Gimpy, Bob, Happy, Sasha, Curly, Abraham, Beefy, Eugene, Doc, Rosita, Barbie. And yes, they do sound a bit like dwarf names. They sure do. Those are the dwarfs right there, at least some of them. Uh, is it dwarfs or dwarves? It depends. Oh, if really? It's, uh, if it's Tolkien, it's dwarfs. Okay. If But these are uh, these are Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, so it's dwarves. Got it. I, I knew you'd know. <laughs> Sorry. Jack from uh, Western Springs. What, were you going to say something? I was going to say that I, uh, just to reassure all the listeners, that I, in fact, do not speak Elvish. Oh. <laughs> but you wish you did. No, I really don't. Do you speak Klingon? I don't speak any, actually, I don't speak anything but English. Yeah. You and like, I live both. in Canada, and I never learned French. Sorry. Well, we live in English Canada, and I, know, I never but just really barely. French either. Well, yeah, but there's not a lot of French around here. You took French in school, though, right? Until grade 10. Yeah, I didn't. You had to. I didn't. I, I Honestly, I didn't. It's a long story. It has to do with moving out west in grade three and moving back in grade seven and then getting out of it for some reason. I did not oh. take any French classes in my entire life. Okay, I can see that. So you know less French than anybody. Yes. I know at least know a little bit. All right, Jack in Western Springs. Tara, Limpy, Eugene, Wimpy. Nice, <laughs> rhymes. Abraham, the bodyguard. Rosita, the tramp. Glenn, oh. ringleader. They probably thought of him as the leader. And they reuse nicknames. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why well, think up a, a new nickname for every single no. you know piece of cattle that comes in? Every group is going to have a ringleader, clearly. That's, uh, <clears throat> sorry, that's true. You can't get by with, without a ringleader. No, that's funny. I've got a, I've got a mute button, and I mute, muted what I was going to say and left in the cough instead of uh, saying what I was going to say and muting the cough. Well, you'll get better at it. I'll get better at it. All right, so we have uh, Will from Facebook. Eugene, handlebars. Rosita, hot pants. Tara, Sir Limps a lot. I like how it's Sir Limps a lot. It's Sir Limps a lot. Yeah. Uh, Glenn is pizza boy. Maggie, picture perfect. Tyrese, hammer time. Carol, flower girl. Yeah, those are good. Sir Limps a lot. I get it. It's like Sir Lance a lot. That's right. I like that. Those are good ones. All right. Matt from Clementon, New Jersey. Glenn, pocket watch. Maggie, yeah. farmer's daughter. That's how would Bob, alcoholic. They wouldn't know it, but I'm basing it on our knowledge, uh, Matt says. Eugene, mullet. Abraham. That's plain, plainly obvious. Yeah. Abraham, muscles. Rosita, tomb raider. Tara, short hair. And my terminus name would be shorts, because I'm one of those weirdos who wears shorts year-round, even when it's 20 degrees or minus 6 Celsius and snowing out. I'm wearing shorts right now. So am I, but we're indoors. I think... Uh, I think uh, Matt wears them everywhere. Well, I got my window wide open, though. Oh, all right. Well, good for you. You're one of the weirdos, too, then, Jason. (laughs) I'm a bit of one of those weirdos. So this is from John in Tennessee. Uh, Ford, mustache. Uh, Rosita, pigtails. Eugene, mullet. Maggie, lover. Glenn, leader. Tara, gimp. Sasha, fighter. Bob, smiley. And my name would probably be Lunch. P.S. Beth is roadkill. <laughs> roadkill. Can, can you see that? Beth shows up there. She's standing around, and what's his name is on the roof, and he goes, you, roadkill? <laughs> Walk over there. <laughs> yeah. Go lie down in front of that car. Right. <laughs> um, and I just think that Ford should come out with the 2014 Ford mustache any, any time now. That'd be awesome. <laughs> uh, where are we? Ray on the internet. Beth. Old lady McJailbait. Her age seems to vary somewhere between 12 and 35. <laughs> okay. Car- Carol, Lilith Fair, short hair. That's all I'm saying. Tyrese, side beef. He's going to keep that grill going for a while. Rosita, Captain Booty Shorts. <laughs> Eugene, Professor Mullet. Oh, that's perfect. You got it. That's have so it. perfect. I am uh, now calling him Professor Mullet from now on. It's because he's a professor. It, it, you know, no, it's it's perfect. I, I can't imagine a better name for him. I think they should officially change his name from Eugene to Professor Mullet. It commands respect. He's a professor. It does. I'm, I'm next time I get a dog, I'm naming it Professor Mullet. Abraham is Sergeant Ginger, also good. <laughs> yeah. Glenn is short round. Yeah. A, uh, um, Indiana Jones reference. Maggie is Madonna because American with an inexplicable <laughs> British accent, except yeah. that. Lauren Cohan is British with an inexplicable 
American accent. Well, maybe her British accent sneaks out a little bit every now and again, and therefore her character is American with an inexplicable British accent. Okay, there you go. That works. Baby baby ass kicker is Nugget, similar to the one we had before. And myself, Ray, aging Gen X, because he has a bit of gray in the goatee these days. Don't we all? Don't we all? Yeah, we all do. (laughs) I guess we all have goatees. Uh, yeah, uh, I got more beard right now, but you're right. Goatees are popular. Yeah, they are. So next we have, and finally we have, uh, Tim from Attleboro, Massachusetts. Maggie is Tomb Raider. Abraham, Mustache. Bob, Willis Drummond, from Different Strokes. Right. Rosita is G.I. Jane. And Eugene is Armored Pierogi. <laughs> that, that is probably my favorite one right there. Yeah, that's because he was wearing the, uh, the the riot gear when he showed up. So he was the armored pierogi. The armored pierogi. That's, I mean, if that's not a concept for a Saturday morning kids cartoon <laughs> right there, I don't know what is, man. Pro- Professor Mullet, the armored pierogi. <laughs> yeah, put it all together. Eugene, he's he'd be unstoppable then. Oh, he is unstoppable. <laughs> the armored pierogi. Yeah. All right. Those were awesome, everybody. Jason, that was a great idea. That was good. It was a great, great idea. If you have any more funny Terminus names for yourself or for anybody else, send them in. We want to hear them. And that's going to bring us to the end of this podcast. Now, what's going to happen next? Jason, do you want to know? Uh, well, probably uh, press stop on the record button and then uh, transfer the file to you so that you can put out the episode. <laughs> I'm thinking before that. Uh, not before that. Sorry. I'm thinking more long term after that. In oh, term- like in the next couple of weeks, in- what the heck are we going to do podcast wise? That's right. Oh, I see. Our next podcast will be a week from tonight, which is Wednesday, April the 9th. And what we're going to do is more feedback because I, st- I still have tons of emails and calls from people. We didn't do any calls this time, but um, if there's anything good that's come in, you know, or already or between now and the next seven days, we're going to do another feedback episode because people seem to have a lot to say about this episode and season four in general. So no podcast on Monday, but we'll do one a week from tonight on Wednesday. And then after that, we do have our annual um, season recap crossover podcast with Jason and Karen on the Walking Dead cast. We're going to be recording that towards the, uh, at the very beginning of May. So we'll get that out very soon. Between next Wednesday and that, though, we'll probably drop another one in there somewhere and get sort of caught up on the Walking Dead news and, uh, you know, whatever else is, is uh, happening at the time. So um, at least three more podcasts in the next uh, three to four weeks. So we're keeping the schedule going for, for a little while here. Good. Um, and then after that, uh, like I said last time, book, video game, we're going to be talking about that stuff. And again, doing the news and uh, all the stuff we do during the summer. So we'll uh, keep you up to date on the plans as everything unfolds um and that is that what else do we need to go through anything else i don't think so well i mean we can talk about uh, the supporter page again we can do that if you want to uh support the show visit patreon.com slash the talking dead we've got lots of good supporter uh, support happening already but uh, every little bit counts and is fantastic and we really really appreciate it um visit that uh, url patreon.com slash the talking dead to see what you can do to help and uh, see what rewards you can get. We're in the process of producing them right now. I dropped a bunch of postcards off uh, at Dave's place just the other day so that uh, he is uh, busily drawing uh, zombies on the postcards. And once uh, we get those, we'll send them out. They'll be sending I have a bunch of other postcards that I got to send out. Yep. Stuff is all happening. So, uh, Head over there to check that out if you want to get uh, get involved. And uh, other than that, you can send comments and feedback to, well, you can call the zombie line at one 483 zomb That's 9662. You can also find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. And, of course, you can send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com or... If you don't want to use the phone line, go to our website and click send a voicemail. That is uh, one of the easiest ways to get us 
your comments. All right. I don't know what it is, but I feel like I'm losing my voice again. So let's wrap her up right now. And uh, we'll see you in seven days when we do more feedback for season four and the season four finale. Cool. Thanks, everyone. Until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thank you for listening. Bye.